What's up, everyone? Welcome to Around the ACL. Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione for another episode. And this week, we are going to talk about the Open coming up this weekend in Ohio. We're going to get into some news around the league. We've got a pro teams preview, buy or sell, high or low, and then wrap it up with our hot takes. Uh, I am looking forward to some cornhole this weekend. I feel like it's not the same when I don't get to watch that. Uh, how about you, Trey? You looking forward to it? Yeah, it'll be good. I mean, I didn't, really didn't know what to do with myself besides just watch football on, on Sunday, really, because Saturday is like not even college football anymore. It's like it's just just the NFL. So, um, yeah, I had some time. I actually got to do like things not related to cornhole this weekend. It was I, like saw my my friend I hadn't seen in like months since his wedding this weekend. It was it was nice. That is uh, nice. I like free time. Yeah, we went we went up to the snow, which was really nice. I love going up into the cold. And it's funny because my friend who loves summer and I hate summer and she hates winter and I love winter. So she was like, have we been here long enough? Is it time to go? And I'm like, that's exactly who I am when we're outside in the summer. I'm like, so it's been 10 minutes in the sun. I'm pretty much good. <laughs> just so opposite. <laughs> but that's why we got the Broncos. So we can go out in the snow and play. Uh, Anthony, anything exciting on your end? When does the national start? When does the pro season start? I know. It's going to be a while. <laughs> April. <laughs> April. We got to kill time until then. <laughs> um, I actually threw some bags this weekend because I'm I'm going through some more work in the lab on, on some breaking in of bags, you know, doing some science behind that. So I was like, man, I should probably throw some bags because I got uh, some sets I got to actually break in. So it didn't go as bad as I thought. I, I haven't thrown a... A, like a ghost game in a long time. So I threw against ghost nines. I think I got really lucky, but uh, I was kind of, now I'm like, man, maybe I should go try and play in a tournament, you know, cause you get one good game, <laughs> but I'd probably go out there and just suck bad. But um, yeah, it was nice to throw some bags this weekend and it wasn't too long. It was, you know, maybe an hour or so, but it was nice to rip some, knock the dust off of those things, man. It was just like, <laughs> well, I mean, you got all the bags behind you. Do you like, do you like rotate through which ones you like? Do you, do you ever like pick one up and be like, what does this even feel like to throw? That's all I can do. These bags cannot be thrown. They can't hit a board. They can't do anything. These are test bags. So they have to almost remain like white glove kind of thing. So I don't get to throw any of those bags behind me. Mm. Um, but I am, uh, I've got two sets. Um, thank you, Rich. I've got a couple sets of uh, the Wizard L's um, that I'm going to be running through some some break-in ideas and strategies, and so messing with some stuff on break-ins. Um, so I have to take that step by step. So I had to measure the speed out of the box, and then I just washed them. So I'm going to measure the speed after wash. And then I'm going to do a couple different break-in strategies. They're all labeled like one through four, so they're all going to be broken differently. And then kind of measure the speeds of those throughout the life of, of playing with them and see. And I've got some concepts on breaking of fibers, you know, over time as bags are sliding on the board and you look under these things under a microscope from out of the box versus, you know, something that maybe has been played with a year. You start to see how the fibers break down at the microscopic level. Um, so I think I found a way to accelerate that or mock that, you know, obviously I can't throw all these bags on the wall walls for a year each or six months each. So we got to figure out a way to, uh, to, to, uh, make that happen faster from, from a life perspective. So I think I've figured out ways to break the fibers faster, 
Um, obviously, you know, different washing strategies. I got to lock down one tumbling, you know, ways to break it in without having to throw it. It'd be cool if we could actually invent a bag break in mechanical machine. Cause I think there's going to be two parts to it. And it stopped me if I'm getting too crazy. Misha got me going here. Well, I, it's nerdy, but I like it. But I think with bag break-in, we're going to have two things. We're going to have a chemical break-in and we're going to have a mechanical break-in. Chemical, we all know everybody's out there messing with different ways of cooking bags or boiling them or, you know, different uh, detergents or conditioners and all these different ways of chemically breaking in a bag. That, I think, only is going to obviously uh, work at the material um, uh, hole friendliness or the floppability. But there's that fiber breaking that we're seeing in bags. You've got pros out there that are purposely playing on concrete or purposely playing in dirt. We hear players say, I got to get my bags dirty. I got to get my bags dirty. That's going to get me where I want. I think that's more of the mechanical side. And I think what's happening is, is at the fiber level, we're starting to loosen up and distort those fibers. They're not so in line when bags come off of the line and you look at them under a microscope, everything's clean and in line. All the little fibers within the rows of yarn are clean. You look at a bag that's just been beat to crap and the fibers are going different directions. And I think that that's going to contribute to speed as well, which we know is going to treat, could contribute to cutability and rollability and stuff like that. So it's getting nerdy here in the lab, Mish. It's getting real nerdy. <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> no, Love that's it. all That's all interesting stuff. And also because, you know, they have to throw a different bag each year with the appropriate stamps. So if it takes a year to get them what they want and then it's time to get the new bag, that's not going to work either, right? Yes, exactly. So I think it's all important. All right, let's get into our open coming up this weekend in Hamilton, Ohio. This is open number seven. It's going to be January 12th through 14th. Um, this is going to be good, but Ohio, at least when I first entered the cornhole world, was the hub of cornhole. It's like the invention of cornhole. So um, you know, I don't know if that's true to this day, but that's kind of how it was when I entered the space. So I feel like we're going to have some big names there. Who, who you got, Trey? Yeah, yeah. I think you know, going back to the roots a little bit, right? I mean, we're getting back to where cornhole has got a lot of its its infancy there and where a lot of people believe it was it was founded. So it's it's great. I mean, I think this is another opportunity to see a lot of really great players. I think it's going to be similar to Myrtle Beach in some regards that you're going to see some of the best players in the world out there. Um, you got 256 teams signed up. You get over 500 players that are going to be there. It's going to be another large open. It's uh, one of the, again, one of the largest that we're going to see all year. I mean, this, this embodies how big some of these opens are getting. Um, as far as, you know, players to watch goes, there's, there's a couple that come to mind. The first that you got to talk about, I mean, I got to look at, at Mark Richards and Tony Smith. They're going to be there. Uh, anytime Mark Richards and Tony Smith walk into a building, they're going to have their eyes on them. Now, what I do find interesting a little bit behind the scenes is that Lucky Bags is coming out with a new bag. And I see on social media, on uh, my TikTok feed, uh, Mark Richards breaking in his new bags. And I see on my Facebook feed a live video of Tony Smith breaking in his bags. So... I don't know if that's a, you know, I don't know what they come out and throw and they're, you know, if they end up switching to a different bag, if they throw something different, I know that was part of the discussion between Mark Richards and Tony Smith, at least in the first couple opens, we saw them change bags a couple different times in his interview. Tony Smith even said like, I'm not used to someone that's been so decisive or clear on bags before. And so that's been an adjustment. So I'm interested to see, how they come out. This is really the first time we've seen these two together. 
at the same tournament since the Australia Open, which obviously they kind of dominated in, in a really strong fashion. So um, interested to see these two and how they perform. Mark Richards, like if he had won Myrtle Beach, we're talking about an unprecedented level of winning. He didn't win Myrtle Beach, but still believe that he's, you know, number one, number two, number three, whatever you put him. I still would have him at number one player in the world right now. So excited to see them. Um, the hottest hand in the game right now has got to be Ryan Trader. I'm watching, obviously, him. He's got something to do. He's got a chance to do something that we believe to be in the legendary status category, right? And that's win three open singles events in a season. If we go back and look at people that have dominated seasons before, we're talking about a very limited number of players that have ever done something like that. We saw Alex Hicks do it, his, his pro partner this year. We saw him do that a few years ago. Uh, we saw Mark Richards do it last year. So when you talk about the number of wins that are in or that are on the line for this, it's, you know, it can put him absolutely in a category that no one else is, uh, that not many people have been in, right? If we look at number of people that have three open singles titles ever, the list isn't very big. It's Matt Guy, it's Mark Richards, it's Alex Rawls, it's Alex Hicks, Josh Holland, and Alan Rawls. So overall, when we look at that list, that's a pretty good list to be a part of, not just from a recency perspective, from a lifetime career perspective. So Ryan Trader has a lot of opportunity to continue that role, right? We now know that Ryan Trader is going to be a rookie of the year candidate. Can he start flirting with that conversation of MVP level candidate? And, you know, he can be on his way to, to, to have, be in that conversation. Another pair that I'm very interested to see, if we go back two opens ago, we had Ethan Walker win singles two opens ago in Virginia. We go back to the last open, Alec Ryan, who was someone who kind of took a, you know, he, he was kind of in this uh, no man's land for a few months. He comes back and Deep he run. makes it all the way to the finals, yeah. right? So we're talking about an Ethan Walker and Alec Ryan team as a doubles pairing that over the last two opens have played as well as anybody else. So now I want to see them put it together in a doubles tournament. And I think they have a really strong opportunity uh, to come out and, and, and put a really strong performance together. Last team I'll probably mention is not a committed pro partner team, but certainly one that I think you could argue is a favorite. And if not a favorite, it's a one, a two, or a three. And that's Jeremiah Ellis and Devin Harbaugh. Boom. That is that is a loaded team right there. And I think, I honestly think two very, very similar play styles. Um, I think Ellis is a tad more defensive than Harbaugh is, but these are high PPR guys that match that high PPR style with very stylistic, uh, stylistically with very high skill level crafted shots. They can hit the roll. They can hit the airmail. They can hit the cut. They can do everything under the sun, but they pair that with an ability to run bags, just like some of the best players in the world. So this is a really, really strong partnership. And I really love this unit as a team, as far as what their potential could be. And it would not surprise me if they're able to take down this whole thing. I think they should be one of the favorites to do such that. So um, also Hamil Hamilton and Cano in the field, Almanza Burton Jr. in the field. There's a, there's a list of a lot of really, really great players. 
Um, but those are certainly the ones that, that I'm watching more than anyone. Anthony, who are you looking at? Yeah, I was cruising through the roster as you were talking. Uh, 36 teams that I highlighted. Um, obviously, we're going to have to be able to get to all of them. I mean, everything from like, I mean, there's storylines behind like maybe a Samantha Finley Tice cop talking about where are they at right now in the game? You know, some players that were, were trending up or even at the top of the game at some point, all the way to teams like obviously Hisner Birchfield uh, on the comeback, Humans Foster, you know, Halbert Trzinski. I think there's a storyline to talk about right there. So we're not going to get to all of them. But before getting into some detail, I kind of just talking about the open series so far this year and do we see any trends and does it tell us a little bit about who might be a favorite going into this open so if we look at like the the open singles winners so far right alan rawls let me let me uh, let me throw a quick filter on here real quick we've got alan rawls ryan trader mark richards twice ethan walker and then ryan trader again if we look at those players you know, what style of player are we going to get to the from those? Let me compare it to doubles real quick because I think we're going to see the same thing before I kind of give away, you know, where I was going to go with this. On the double side, Justin Burton Jr. and Logan Chamberlain twice. Caleb Batson, Gavin Cano, Noah Almanza, Logan Chamberlain, uh, Alec Ryan, Ethan, Ethan Walker, and then Hisner Birchfield. What do all these players have in common? And to me, it is speed control. These guys have the ability to control the speed of their bag. We're not going to see a consistent slick side game changer coming down the middle. We're not going to see that they're a running of bags and an airmail only style player. All of these players have the ability to control speed. And other than probably Alan Rawls have the ability to shape shots, whether it be a roll or a cut. Now, well, say, Alan Rawls's reverse cut is, is very underrated. This guy has a legit reverse cut and he uses the heck out of it to get around blockers. But we see these players that have the ability to shape shots. They're they're you know, I, I think you were talking about it on the air tray about, you know, the, the five tools or, or maybe it was uh Wally. I think it was a big topic in the, in the last open was these five tooled or six tooled shooters. And I think there was a little debate there. Um, these players have that they have more than the ability to run bags and shoot a good airmail. And I just kind of cross-referenced that with PPR. So I grabbed the PPR of all of these players, and I think it tells us a little bit about it. If we look at that, none of these players are averaging above a 10. And this is on the season. So this is so far on this in all events. None of them are averaging a 10. They're all sub-10. Uh, now they all are a 9-5 and higher. And what does that mean is these players have the ability to score at a high rate but also maneuver around laundry. They have the ability to score when there are blocks in the way because I could easily go to like a Matt guy who's throwing a 10-4-4 on the season has not won anything yet. I can go to a Devin Harbaugh who's a 9.89. He's more of a bag runner. We're not going to call Harbaugh a roll, a roll guy. He can roll. He has a really legit cut, and that's why I think we see him always right there. I think he's just missing one piece of his game. If he could really develop that roll bag, or overuse the cut, figure out how to get that cut to a 50. Basically, you want to be able to match your airmail with another shot. If my airmail is at 60%, can you roll at 60, 65%? Can you cut at 60, 65%? And maybe that's a little hole in Devin Harbaugh's game. 
Damon Dennis, he's a 973. He's in that category, but we know Damon Dennis is a bag runner and he has a legit airmail. I will give him credit for his cut bag. He does have a cut, but I think he can develop that a little bit more. We've seen him highlight that at the top level. AJ Sims, a 979. Uh, Dylan Turpin, a 9.88. A guy like uh, uh, Nico Morellis is up there at around a 9.8. All of these guys have the ability to score at that same rate, but they don't have the ability to score when there's a defensive play at the rate that these other guys have. Now, I think in the past we called them carpet players or role guys. I think they're that that description is becoming more and more uh, complex. It's not just the fact that they throw a carpet bag. We see guys able to roll all types of bags. I think it's the ability to shape shots with whatever bag you're having, the ability to control speed. When you see players hammering the back of the hole, they're missing a key fundamental of the game. The better there than in the dripping the front of the hole on a miss. They're at a level one. They're not on the back of the hole. When players run bags at a quick rate, if they miss, they're on the back of the hole. That thing is gone. And in some cases gets and one on an, on an airmail opportunity. So if you're missing miss short, if you're missing stay on the hole. And I think all of these players have the ability to do that. So kind of going over the roster, just sums that you didn't mention Trey Tanner Halbert and Jacob Trzinski was at the top of my list only because we saw Tanner Halbert come out with the best player in the world right now, Mark Richards, and they didn't get it done there. So do I think that he'll do better with a Jacob Trzinski? I, I don't think so. Um, so I don't think that we're going to see those two winning a bracket. Um, although I'd like to see it happen. Two amazing players. We got Joe Neistat and Jordan power back into the field. We see Neistat on this upward trend. Uh, can they continue that? What do you guys think about Hissner and Henderson running it back? Is that something we Hissner should expect? Barshfield? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where's Henderson? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, don't, I mean, to an extent, you also got to factor in home field advantage. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, so, but I would say odds would be tough against them running it back. Right. You just want a good finish, right? It's so hard. To win once, to win twice, I don't care who. I mean, look at Mark Richards and Tony Smith. They haven't won anything yet, right? You're almost looking for consistency and strong finishes more than I'm necessarily thinking that Hisner and Birchfield have to win again. Yeah, so if you take that into account, we're looking really close at a trader who's consistent, a Ryan Windsor who's consistent. Logan Chamberlain consistently is at the top. You know, it feels like a Jeremiah Ellis is super consistent and he's due for a breakout. You put him with a Devin Harbaugh. Maybe this is the time, you know, maybe this is the time for Devin Harbaugh to come out with a, a long awaited uh, uh, win. And we know, correct me if I'm wrong, he still hasn't won a singles title, right? Still uh, looking for Harbaugh, Harbaugh. Harbaugh. Harbaugh has. He had a breakthrough singles. I yes, can't remember. Yes, he has an open. A, he does have an it open, was an open singles title. Yes. Okay. He's was it only at the had, end of last season? Um, I don't. I don't have to check. I don't believe. Yeah, I can't recall either. Last season, but yeah, I mean, he's got one open singles title. Yes. So I think that they're going to be tough. Uh, again, so many storylines like Jimmy Humans and Foster. Do I think they're going to win it? No, but I think it's going to tell a lot as we come into the pro season of where they are going to position. I think Jer uh, Jimmy Humans looks really, really good right now. Uh, I, I love some of the chatter on Twitter, and maybe this can feed into one of our later segments when we get into news around the league. Um, but there was talks of how tough 
some of these regionals are. And, you know, I, there was some conversation on on Twitter as well as offline and a bunch of messages. And Jimmy Humans, you know, one of those guys that say, I, I would be a much better player if I was playing in a conference like AJ Sims and some of these guys have to do in Texas or what we're seeing in Florida or even some of these East Coast conferences uh, as well as the Great Lakes. I would be a much better player. And he's, you know, it's almost like you hear some players say, I need to move. I need to get out of this this conference. But I think the mentality of getting into those conferences to be a better player is the type of player that you're going to get from a Jimmy Humans. He wants to move to a conference like that to level him up and make him a better player. So, yeah, really, really tough. Uh, Ryan Smith and Ryan Wiedenfield's an important one for me, Mish. I'm holding on to them on my top 10, the number 10 spot in my top 10. And we know how how threatened the eight through 10 spot is with just how many good teams are. So I think they're showing uh, this weekend is really going to tell me if, is it time to move an Ellis Hart into that position or a, a Hisner Birchfield into that position? So I got a close eye on them. Graham's Graham and Maudlin. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't like that one from the beginning. Um, I mean, you saw uh, my disc, my discontent when that was announced um, just because a guy like, um, you know, Jamie Graham coming off a world championship to me, I felt like does not necessarily deserved, but needed a top five, six, seven player as a partner to continue the trend that he's had forever. Did he take a step back picking up a modeling? Yes, I think he did. I think we can all agree that does that mean he's, you know, that they're a complete bust or, or whatever. I don't think so. If we're saying, eh, are they going to be top 25? I wouldn't call that necessarily a bad thing, but I think now they're starting to fall to 20 to 25. So do they surprise us all and, and come out and have an amazing tournament? Um, now I will say a guy like Modlin doesn't fall into that bucket that I was talking about the type of players that we're seeing a player that has more than just the ability to run bags in a good airmail, a guy like Modlin per trend should not win the open this weekend. So now you're going to have that anomaly jump in there. Eventually Damon Dennis or Matt guy or someone like that is going to win an open. But if you look at, what is it? Six singles and six doubles to this point. We have not seen a player like that coming in and win. Man, I'd like to talk a lot about more of these, Mish, but I know we're. Did you see here. who Damon Dennis is playing with? Let's see here. Ryan Hart. I do yeah. see that. Kentucky, right? That, that's that's going to be one. fun. I like that, that. Hey, and they, there's a combo that could win it that nobody, that we wouldn't expect, right? We saw Ryan Hart break out in singles. We know he's getting better. He is one of those type of players, I think, that we were describing. A player that has all the shots, has the ability to score in traffic. Um, you pair that with a Damon Dennis, they could be tough. It could be tough. I like it. I'm here to see it. I think that's a fun one. Moving on to news around the league. We had the Mountain South Conference over by uh, you there, Anthony. Singles, shocking. Gavin Hammond and doubles. Gavin Hammond and Jackson Remick. All right, is everyone getting sick of them up there? Again, back to the strength of conferences. <laughs> Yeah. compare that top 10 list to the regional we just saw in Texas and the regional we just saw in Virginia. And you're going to go, okay, yeah, they should win that. I mean, who else is in there? Maybe Yeti, you know? So you take AJ Sims, who was probably at the top. I think he was at number one in PPR, number two in PPR in the regional this weekend. And he took like third or fourth. You throw him in the mountain South and he is going to dominate. Yeah. Dominate that conference. Uh, these so, these boys are aging out. Are they going to move, you think, for college, right? So they're going to get out of that conference? Your Colorado boys, you think? Is it going to happen? <laughs> I don't commit. see them. They got to commit. 
I mean, regardless if they at? go, to, regardless if they go to that college or not, I'm just saying I see them moving out of Colorado, chasing some competition. And they would definitely level up. Uh, they've come a long way with with the competition they have in the Mountain South. They're grinding a lot on their own, but I think they need that next level where they are not winning every time, where they're mm -hmm. taking second or third, where they're seeing different types of games. We don't really have if you want to call it the carpet style, the dirty style, whatever that speed control game, we don't have a lot of that in Colorado. Yeah. So they haven't really been challenged at that level in front of a, a Logan Chamberlain, a Burton jr. You know, and Alex Rawls, I think controls the speed really well. The better there than ins front of the hole. They don't see a lot of that. They're working a lot with open holes and bumpers. Mm -hmm. So I would love to see them compete consistently in, in a conference. That's going to uh, test that side of their game. Absolutely. Uh, for the elite qualifiers for pro event number one, uh, our singles uh, qualifiers have Matt Wilson, Tony Forbes, Jaden Ellis, and Landon Bass. And for doubles, Austin Waskow and Quinn Reeves, Brian Roth and Daniel Martinez, Micah Oaks and Mason Trader. So they will be able to play in the round limited format. Trey, is that, no, that, how that national for national format? National format. Okay, got it. So they'll be play. They'll be competing with the pros at that first uh, event in April, um, and if they prevail, they can be on TV. Right? That's how that works. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. I got a. I got a chance. Matt Wilson is local to here, um, okay. and I've had a chance to see him play a little bit. Pretty darn good. But I the the main reason that he's going to be really successful is that he's a Clemson grad. So makes sense. Um, go Tigers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what else would that mean? Obviously, Anthony, Anthony has no time for my shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's uh, look at the uh, teams that will be playing this weekend. We are going to have the Texas Bullybaggers versus the Kentucky Colonels. We're also going to have the Chicagoland Spinners versus the Missouri Maze. That's going to take place on ACL Cornell TV at 4 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Trey, what are your thoughts on the Bullybaggers versus the Colonels? Yeah, so I think this is an interesting one, right? Because I think it's a, a battle of contrasting teams and where they started their first, you know, rounds of games that they competed in. So if we look at the Texas Bullybaggers, we expected them to be a top tier team. We expected them to be one of the ones that made the playoffs. On the on the converse to that, we we weren't sure about the Colonels. I, I was a little bit higher on the Colonels than Anthony was, but neither one of us were projecting them to be the best team like I, I did in 2022 uh, or, or 2023, I should say, I, you know, I, I, I really thought that they would be a high, high level team. Now, having said that their first record, Kentucky Colonels came out, they go undefeated. They, they, they sweet in really, they won some games that you just normally wouldn't expect, or they won some 50, 50 games, which are games that they lost last year. So when we talk about the Colonels versus the bully baggers in particular, I'm kind of excited to see this Mac guy led Colonels. And when we talked about the open preview, I didn't get a chance to talk about Matt and Brett guy, but I think this is a good opportunity to talk about them now. And that I think Matt and Brett are in a really good position um, from a lot of different perspectives for years and years and years. Mac guy was always the one. And when Matt and Brett played together, when they showed up to a tournament, the eyes rolled and people got depressed because they didn't want to have to play the guys. And right now, they are not feared anywhere the same level like they were years ago. 
And I know that can be seen as a negative, but I'm spinning it into a positive in that Matt and Brett guy have an opportunity for the first time ever in their careers to be able to play the underdog card. And I have no idea if that benefits them or hurts them. The only evidence I have so far is that we just saw them in Myrtle Beach. I was pretty impressed. Didn't they make it all the way to a bracket final or very close to it in Myrtle Beach? Put together a really strong performance, won a lot of games. On top of that, they go and play in teams, and they go 3-0 and in teams. So for me, I'm starting to pick up this vibe led by the Colonels, who also have the Pat Sam that is overperforming or, or performing maybe where he thinks he should be, but not other people expected. Plus, you have this Matt and Brett guy who are now getting to play this underdog card in a unique way. They also have the Ryan Hart that we always identified as a B player, now gets to play alongside Jeremiah Ellis in doubles. Is that propelling him extra confidence to take that next step? So all things considered, I really like the vibe that I'm getting from the Kentucky Colonels, especially as we go through the first part of this season. All right. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, I was just kind of going down these rosters. Um, to me, the most obvious – now, the, the spinner's maze to me is going to be tight. I think that one's going to come down to a close matchup. But if I look at the Colonels – and the bully baggers, uh, you know, bully baggers for me, I gave an A minus rating at the beginning of the season, B minus for the Colonels. And if I look at the matchups, and I, I don't know exactly how we're going to get the matchups, but let's say we go Matt and Brett guy versus Eddie Grindersleeve and Caleb Batson. Who wins that? Eddie and Caleb. Eddie and Caleb. Yeah. Caleb. Let's say you get Damon Dennis and I, Ryan Hart. That seems like a, they're going to play in the open this weekend. Damon Dennis and Ryan Hart versus. AJ Sims and Dylan Turpin, who wins that? That's tight, right? That one's close. That's tight. Know. That's tight. I. All right, let I me haven't seen a lot of Dylan Turpin. I haven't seen a lot of Dylan Turpin yet. So let I'll, me change I'll go it up. Dennis and Hart. Okay, change it. All right, if you go Dennis and Hart, let me change it up. Let me actually grab AJ Sims' real partner, AJ Sims and Braden Wilson versus Damon Dennis and Ryan Hart. Well, we haven't seen a lot a of. Braden either. Right? We haven't really yeah. seen too much. It's like I, I'll I'll go Dennis and Hart, but I get what you're saying. That could yeah, yeah, yeah. that could go one one or two. I mean, it could. I think odds are it could end up going two o bully baggers, but I mean, again, the Colonels could steal one or two. One more matchup, Florida people. Let's go Samantha Finley and Rule team up against Turpin and Kingfisher. Every single one of these that you've given me, I have a question mark on the holding bagger side. <laughs> oh, you do, a, you do. So, but in me, a good, like in a good way, like if they play to their potential, I think the point you're trying to make is that could go three zero bully baggers, and I'm not necessarily yeah. fighting you on that. But again, comes the question mark of what? what I mean, what delivers? But yeah, right. I'll, I'll flip it back on you though, Anthony. If Matt Guy and Brett Guy beat Eddie Grindersleeve and Caleb Batson head to head. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most shocked, how shocked would you be? Oh, not shocked. Not but shocked. That, see, that's that's yeah. my that's my point. Yeah, like you should say a three or a four. Like you'd say, yes, I expected Eddie and Caleb to win, but I wasn't, I wouldn't put my house on it. And that's the thing I no. think <laughs> could that could that difference for Matt and Brett of just being able to be who they are, but now they get to play carefree and use that underdog chip on their shoulder. How many times do we see Matt Guy get angry after a game when he's got a little chip on his shoulder and you see a little bit of intensity there? Like, I think that's going to help Matt. And that may be something that we see different from this season than we've seen in previous years. I could see that for sure. Yeah, right, so it's going to 
Oh, go ahead, Anthony. I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to who can actually show up to support their team for these opens. So, right. so important. Do you have your yeah. full roster? Maybe not. And then you said spinners and maze. Do you see that being close? I do. I get, it's going to come down to who shows up. But yeah, I have them rated like almost identical. Yeah, That's the right. maze got to play better. I mean, maze go 0 and 3. Like, regardless, I just talked all about the Colonels. The maze, you want to be a semifinalist. You don't, you don't. You don't go on three. Like they, they got to show up. They got to play better. They get a long season ahead of them. I'm not hitting any type of panic button or whatever, but I just think in general, they got to play a little bit better if they're going to succeed. And with the location of this open, I think that they're going to pull a lot of their teams. So you might get a true feel of, of what that head to head would look like. Yeah. Of all the ones, I think everybody's going to travel well with the only exception, maybe the bully backers. That's yeah. the only one I may be worried about in attendance perspective, but I expect the Colonel, the Colonels are going to send, I think their entire team, the Colonels may go three and zero again for all I know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just, just simply because of who they send. But I think, like you said, Anthony, the may should show up as well because of the location. Absolutely. Moving on to buy or sell. First one, Ryan trader can propel into five, status with a win this weekend in singles top five status but yes okay, there's a, um, okay got it uh yeah so i would say yeah i'm gonna buy it look i, I kind of talked about it in the open like when we look at the number of people that have that have won three opens in a season it's limited to mark richards and alex hicks the only people that have done it and then you extend that list a little bit to have just won three in general and it's still a pretty exclusive list. And at all of those people on that list at some time, especially during those seasons, we knew that they were a top five player, right? I think some people would argue that Ryan Trader is a top five player right now. And that's up for debate yeah. as well. But the idea is if you win top, if you win three opens in a season, to me, that propels you into the conversation. You still have to do it at, at the pro events. But for the most part, I'm, I'm buying it. Anthony? I would buy as well. And it's not just the fact that he's winning them. The ones that he doesn't win, he's winning his bracket. So he's always right there. I'm going to buy that one, Mish. If Tony Smith doesn't have a top five finish this weekend, you'd be concerned. Nope. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, we know Anthony feels. Uh, I'm also going to sell as well. Uh, I think Tony's there's an element of always to it. And I hate it. I hate it. I know. <laughs> but I just think it's like, it's an open, like, you know, yeah. and Tony and Tony's even said that in interviews where it's like, I think one thing that Tony is jealous of his partner, Mark about is that Mark can go into an event and no matter what he can make it be the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. he can make it the world championship and he can get in that mentality because he's got such a control over the mental state of his game, which is unprecedented in our game. Tony doesn't have that yet. Maybe yeah. he will one day, but he doesn't have it right now. And so because of that, there's always an element to me of like, is Tony going to be the best that he could be po possibly be? It would not surprise me if Tony Smith comes out and throws brand new bags this weekend in order to in, really and just use it as a scouting report, right? And see how I'm going to like these throughout the rest of the season. I wouldn't be concerned. I'd love to see him finish really, really well, but I'm not going to be shocked if I don't. Selling and Anthony, you're selling. Yeah, it's like the the Jamie Graham factor. It's like you know the dude could take 19th in a regional and then come out and be world champ. You just never know <laughs> what you're gonna get out of out of Jamie Graham. He's always in the discussion. So yeah, same yeah. thing for me. Okay, 
you're worried about Frank Maudlin and Jamie Graham being a bust. Anthony's going to buy. I think he's really going to buy this. Well, what do you think a bust is? Like what ranking? Let's say top 15. Okay. So they're not top 15. That's a bust. Yeah. If they, if they're not top 15, that's definitely a bust. Like you could even argue maybe top 10. Like if they're, if they're 10, 11, 12, I think that makes sense. But if they're not, you know, if they're 17, 18, 20, 25, that to me, that feels like a complete missed opportunity. I know their aspirations are top five, but yeah, if that's the case, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried just yet. I am going to sell it. I think there's plenty of reason to buy it. Um, but I think there's a point that Anthony just made is it's the Jamie Graham effect. And to me, you could almost apply this to this team. And I always keep going back to what Jamie Graham and Frank Modlin were back in 2020 when they played together. Everybody always said, Frank isn't that good. Jamie's really good. Why is he carrying him along? Blah, blah, blah. And what happened? They were always there at the end. They finished as the top five team. They were consistently there near and around the finals. They won a couple events. They lost a bunch of events, but they did so near the end of every tournament. I understand the game is different today, but at the same time, they are a consistent group. And I think it's taking them some time to just figure it all out and get it all together. I can't be worried about Jamie Graham just yet. Let me see the first two pro events and then I'll be able to judge from there. So, okay. Anthony. Yeah. I called it a bus from the beginning. So I don't know if I could say, you know, buy or sell I expected it to happen Anyway, and not to take anything away from Modlin, this dude is a legend and he helped my game a lot. I'm a big Modlin fan. We're just looking at the facts here. Let's be real. You know, Modlin was a a 40th ranked singles player last year and a 35 ranked doubles player uh, with Cheyenne. Now, Jamie was third in the world and top 15 with Matt Guy. So obviously for a guy like Graham to go out and grab a player like Modlin when you've got all these people inside a modeling results wise, uh, something was missed. But going back to what we said at the beginning of the season, bag sponsorships drive partnerships. So it's not necessarily like teams are putting together teams that they think they can win with. This is a business side of this as well. And those play a big factor into this. So I think they, whether they're going to say it or not expected no, I shouldn't say they expect to be a bust. They obviously want to go out and win, but for them to come in and say, oh, we're going to be top 10 with the results that they had last year or that Modlin had last year would be a stretch hot take all day for that one. Yeah. You expect another top five finish from Trey Birchfield and Adam Hisner. Uh, sell. I don't expect it. Um, I think this is a team that overperformed a little bit at that first, uh, that, that last open that we just talked about. However, my perception of them changes if we do get that. I've always said this time and time again, it's hard to win once. It's even harder to win twice. Okay. And so for them to be a consistent player, a consistent team, someone who I value to be in that range of being a top five team, top 10 team, like they have to consistently show that. Isner is beginning to flirt with that level of consistency, right? He has made huge strides bringing himself near the top of his game. Now, as a doubles team, I just want to see another finish or two before I'm getting into that category. So uh, for now, I'm going to sell it. I don't have an expectation that they finish top five again, but if they do, then I will the next time. Mm -hmm. You'll see a pattern. Anthony? Yeah, Trey, you touched on exactly where I was going to go with this. I actually expect 
Hisner to play at a top five level in that doubles partnership. It's what do we get out of Trey Birchfield right now? I'm going to have to sell. I don't expect them to be top five as a doubles team. But again, it goes back to that like, oh, are you surprised if they f-? I'm not surprised, but I, I don't expect it. I don't expect it yet. A player from Ohio wins on home turf in either singles or doubles this weekend. This is tough, right? Because there's not a there's not a ton of players to choose from that I would deem having a legitimate chance. If I'm going to narrow those down, um, Noah Almanza has got a chance with Justin Burton Jr. to to take down and get a win there. Uh, you also have uh, Jeremiah Ellis could win it in both singles and doubles with Devin Harbaugh. And then Trey Birchfield and Adam Hisner in both yeah. singles and doubles, another legitimate opportunity. Not a lot of options. I'm not going to tell you who, but it is part of my hot take. I am going to say bye here. Oh, you're going to say bye think, I, I do think someone from singles or doubles will take this down, so I will buy. Anthony, you're buying as well. I am actually going to buy, and I think it's a tough buy. I think Jeremiah Ellis is due. I think mm-hmm. either he's either going to win singles or he's going to win doubles with Harbaugh. It's because Jeremiah Ellis is in that list. I'm going to buy it. It's time. It's time. Okay. Moving into high or low, which of these players without looking has more ACL titles? But you you have looked, Trace, right? So this is between Anthony I have looked. No, no, I, I, no, yeah, you too. You too. Yeah, this is going to be, this is gonna okay. be fun. So, so and I got, and, and each one, we can, you know, we can talk a little bit about each one. But uh, the first one is Tanner Halbert. And Logan Chamberlain. So I'm interested I gotta go, I gotta go Chamberlain. I mean, we know Halbert had that big national win back in what 19, maybe something like that. But since then, then Chamberlain just had an insane year last year, and he's won a bunch of opens this year. So I'm gonna say Chamberlain. I have to agree. So you're both right. Um, one interesting aspect, if you don't count this season, if you only look back to last season, it would be Halbert. But Chamberlain gets three yes, already this three. year in doubles in showing that he's an incredible doubles player. I mean, if you look at it, Logan Chamberlain, of his um, you know, of his titles, all of them are in doubles. He has no singles titles, but he's shown that he could be a really good doubles player. So um, good call there. Six to four on those titles. Next one, Steven Bernasette and Devin Harbaugh. Man. Dude. Devin has a, has a hard time finishing, <laughs> so that's tough. And then Bernasette has that national. He's got the national. He's got a one or two open doubles, I believe. Oh, man. That one's Harbaugh. actually close. My uh, my Yeah, my gut says Harbaugh, and it's, it's all I'm, from doubles. I'm going to go Bernasette. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, the part of the reason I did this is because it is Bernaset. And I found that very interesting. To me, when I view, if we were to list our top, you know, we we do our top tens, no doubt. Devin Harbaugh is always in there. And and if, if he's not, we criticize our own sales for how idiotic we are of not putting yeah. him in there, right? <laughs> right? If you look at the rest of the people in that top 10, they're either all the loaded rookies that the only reason they don't have more titles is because they haven't been playing that long. It's like our Gavin Cano's it's our, you know, uh, Justin Burton juniors. It's like these guys that, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna be up there in all time titles. They just need to play more than a couple of years. Um, or it's the all time winning people, the people that are always getting all these titles. Harbaugh doesn't fit either one of those categories. And so because of that, I just had this national natural inkling to think, Harbaugh's got a ton of titles. He's only got four. 
four total titles to Harbaugh's name. Bernasette's got five. Okay. And, 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 you know, to me, it just, it was interesting and, and part of the reason uh, that it caught my eye. Well, I'm very familiar with the one. That Nationals win. Guess who his first matchup was in that pro season? This guy right here. This guy right here. So, of course, when you lose, right, you want the guy you lost to to win it. Absolutely. So I followed feel Bernadette through every – I'm like, win it, win it, win it. You want that guy to win. So I'm familiar <laughs> with that win. That's funny. Uh, next up, Tony Smith versus Ryan Smith. Ooh, Tony Smith versus Ryan Smith's Ryan. got a lot of the oh, – He's uh, got a ton of opens. He's got a open singles too. Yeah, and Ryan mm. Smith has the uh, pro shootout titles. Wait, can we go to the most second places? Definitely Tony Smith. <laughs> So most top twos. Uh, top two. yeah. All right, Man, so yes. I'm trying to think how many does Tony actually have? I got to go Tony Smith. Uh, right, obviously, go, you, you put this on here for a reason. I'll go Ryan. Go Tony Smith. I'll go Ryan. Uh, it's a trick question. They have the same. Okay. They have the same oh, okay. exact number of titles. They both have seven, which I just find, which I find very interesting. And I think, Part of the reason I like to bring this up is because I, for whatever reason in my head, continuously undervalue Ryan Smith and Ryan Wiedenfeld sometimes. If you, you know, I, I was almost in doubt that they were a top 10 team last season at certain points. Ryan Smith, I always like, he's a really good player, but he is an elite player, but they continue to show up there at the end. So I think sometimes we undervalue how good of a player Ryan Smith is and how much he's a winner, right? Yeah, he just finds a way to get there towards the end. And maybe part of that perception was just because I don't think Ryan Wiedenfeld lived up to the expectations that we had from him for him last year as a singles player. And sometimes that that crowds over. Um, now, ultimately, is Tony Smith going to just kind of run away with it because he is he's been in the game around a little bit less than Ryan Smith has? But I don't know. But I just found it interesting because um, two players that uh, certainly everybody knows. All right, last one, and this is interesting, kind of out of left field here, but Dylan Turpin and Tyler Poitras. Oh, so Tyler stepped out of the game for what a year or two years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's two years. Two years, and that was the two years that I have been in the game. <laughs> so so yep. I don't really know much about his prior success. Oh, he had a lot of success before. Um, That's what I saw heard. him on. So, and I don't I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go titles. Dylan Turpin. Oh, gosh, I was going to go Tyler. Has Dylan Turpin even won one? I don't even That's think what this, I was thinking. He might no, have he did won. at national. Didn't he, didn't he win one in doubles or singles or no, he won like a he, bracket. No, maybe it was just a bracket. That was like in Vegas or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bracket in Vegas singles. I'm going Doug Tyler. Zaft, Doug Zaft match. That was, That's right. Nisha's going Tyler. I'm I'm gonna go Tyler. I I just I'm trying to think of something that Turp. He's also your best second place yeah, finisher. For sure. <laughs> so you're both right. Tyler okay. Poitras has got two. Dylan Turpin has zero. Oh, you're right. Which shocked me. Way to put him on. I blast, looked at. Right? I, and, 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 and honestly, like I don't know if that's an insult or a compliment, but like I looked down the list of all these top players. I literally look at standings from last year. And he was the first player I hit with not a single title. And that shocked me because I just had this assumption inherently that Dylan Turpin had a title from somewhere, right? Because he's consistently playing at that top 30 level. And when we talk about top 30 guy, no, are we talking about someone that's going to be top, you know, have 
15 titles and compete with Mark Richards? No, but top 30 guys get titles every once in a while, right? And it's just been very surprising to me that we haven't seen Turpin be able to get across the finish line and get that signature victory. And 47 times, 47, I'm making that number up, 47 times (laughs) he was the game before ESPN. (laughs) I know, it's all the time. (laughs) Dude, yeah. All right, this will be your year, Dylan. All right, it is time for Hot Takes. Trey, you gave us a little hint on what it was going to be, but why don't you tell us what it is? Yeah, and I don't know if it's as hot as anymore. Maybe maybe the hot take is we all have the same Ellis. hot take. It's um, Ellis. I'm taking Ellis and Harbaugh to win doubles. So like Ellis it. and Harbaugh take down doubles. I think they're, they're that's a scary team yeah. um, and, and not one that I would want to play. And if I get that as a court assignment, I'm not going to like it. <laughs> Anthony? All right, I'm going to do that doubles team versus doubles team again. Who finishes better? Frank Modlin's going to hate me, man. I, I love you, my guy. I hope we're just having fun here. But I'm going to take some veterans in Jamie Graham and Frank Modlin versus a rookie and a non-pro. And I'm going to say the rookie and the non-pro beat Jamie Graham and Modlin, and that is Nate Stevens and Caden Allen as a oh, hot take. I didn't see that team. That's okay. That's a hot team. So that's like a former pro. Yeah, former pro and a rookie against legends. Pro. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if mine's hot or not, but I'm taking Mark Richards and Tony Smith. I feel like they're due. It's time. Um, they're going to have to go through a tough field, but uh, another warm meat take. Well, queen of as if warm Trace, takes. As Trace was hot. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> all right. We will see what happens this weekend. Make sure you tune in, and we'll see you guys all next time.